healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. We are happy to have you back down here. We are happy to be back down here. Uh, took about a month off recently because our basement was destroyed. Uh, we thought some things came back bigger, faster, and stronger. And here we are for you to talk about a great album today, Mr. Tyler Childers uh, of Eastern Kentucky. He, uh, he put out his second album recently called Purgatory. This is one of the ones that came out during the break back in August, but it's a great album. We want to talk about it. So to do that, I invited my friends Marcus K. Dowling and Mr. Eduardo Nunez down here, uh, as they are down here a lot. It's been a good bit of time around here, but, uh, but we have fun talking, and it's good, and hopefully you have fun listening to us talking. So we, 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 we dug into this, uh, this country, this Americana, this uh, just damn good music thing uh, to see what we made of it. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, after we talk about that, we're going to be talking uh, about this this little recent trend about live streaming the creation of your album. As you know, our friend Chad Clark of Beauty Pill uh, created, uh, describes things as they are in a similar fashion. Probably wasn't the first, but uh, certainly... Uh, it seems like he might have influenced people from PJ Harvey to now uh, Esperanza Spalding and and Neil Finn, Crowded House, go figure. Uh, but so we're gonna be talking about that, and then I'm gonna play a little track from our friends in Future Birds. These guys have been down here; they are great. They're out of Athens, Georgia. They are tour machines. Our friend Kiffy from Roadkill is now playing pedal steel for them, and uh, they've been doing a neat little project after last year's hotel parties. Uh, it's called the Portico Series. It's a, it's a recording studio outside of Athens, Georgia. And so we've got a track from that that I think you're going to like uh, because it sounds familiar. I loved it back in the day, so we're, we're going to be doing that. And that's that's your episode today. So if that is to your liking, if that's if you're feeling this, if you're like, yeah, man, I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. I think it's time. Let's head on down to the basement. Joining my friends, Mr. Mark Stallion and Eduardo Nunez. Already in conversation, talking about the new album from Tyler Childers, Purgatory. It is it is a little bothersome to me that the character is outside of the Flash world, except that the Flash lives on Earth One. Yeah, and, that, and and they use that same like scale of like, oh, well, I guess I'm from Earth Two. Like, no, you're from your own Earth One. He's from your Earth Two. Yeah, yeah. So it's Cara, Cara Danvers. <laughs> oh shit, Supergirl, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. No, greatest no, show on TV. Never, never, ever, ever. Ever, no legends tomorrow. You guys ready? 
Yeah. Let's do it. Welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, we are back down here in the basement. Yet again, it still exists. It has not flooded again. <laughs> I missed I missed the cat apartment. Did cat you? apartment was pretty great. It was just, it was breezy up there. I was, was, I was uh, worried about that. So, yeah, it's a little stuffy down here right now, right? Yeah, it'll get there. It'll get there. Yeah, no, fall fall's going to be glorious down here. But, is, like, but is, there's, yeah. a, there's a point when it, the temperature hits in the spring and it goes through to about like October where it gets a little stuffy down here. I don't know. But I have seen Amityville 2 a lot of times, <laughs> and and knowing how this place floods, there might be like a well somewhere in here that leads to somewhere. Oh, it's that's, that's waiting not for you okay. to activate it, man. It's waiting for me to activate it. I, I don't know. But anyways, we're back down here. Dude, we can we can go do as many of these in the cat apartment as you want to. If you miss Sweet. it, Gus, Gus and Gizmo was, are not down here. It was just the thrill of going upstairs for the first time, I think. <laughs> we were all... <laughs> well, at least, at least you're honest about that. Um... <laughs> We are back, uh, and this is the actual. Uh, this is the country panel. So, we so, we are the official chunky glasses. Uh, yeah, country, is, is uh, the official I'm, I'm so down for that. <laughs> for being the country panel. <laughs> yes, but you you know that you knew that about me though. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the sure. whole the whole world will notice about me in a couple. Of, uh, actually, yeah, in a couple of weeks, they'll actually know this about me. So that's the thing. Um. So so so, you know, we have been following pretty. Uh, Pretty standard country, right? I think so. I think yeah. we've done some and yeah. western, yeah. yeah, country and western. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so we've been we've been doing that for a little while, and and sort of going uh, turning away from the uh, outlaw country, if you will. But an album came across uh, my desk uh, from this guy. We're going to be talking about Tyler Childers today. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. Despite the the press, first of all, the press release is horrible. He's, no, no, the entire, as, the entire as, press as, narrative is. As, as somebody, as somebody that, poop. as somebody that <laughs> grew up at the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains, anytime I hear somebody say, you know, oh, the people of the mountains talk with a with a song on their voice, like you better have grown up higher in the mountains than me. <laughs> so, because I mean, maybe that's true, but it's not. I mean, there's. There's good and there's bad in in that part of the country. It gets romanticized, and I don't think in in modern times necessarily that's a, a good thing. But uh, and then and then to double down on that, uh, Virgil Simpson produced Tyro Childers uh, Purgatory. But at the end of the day, I think I think what happened was uh, you had had a little magic, maybe, maybe we're we're gonna get into that. Um, uh, but what you have is this kid. He's 26 years old. He is from Eastern Kentucky, which I need to. I really need to talk about the fact that like there are cities that you can name in Kentucky, so Eastern doesn't yeah. cut it. But he's from Eastern Kentucky, and and of the tradition of what people really loved about Sturgill Simpson, and uh, and his main album that if Sturgill had his own little imprint, like you could see all of these being on this, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But play the first single right now before we get into it, and, and this is. Uh, this is called Lady May, and, and it it is the last track on the album, and it sort of sums up, I think, what the journey of the album is. So, but this is Lady May. I'm a stone throw from the mill, and I'm a good walk to the river. When my working day is over, we'll go swim our cares away. Put your toes down in the water. And a smile across your face And tell me that you love me Lovely Lady May 
ate the sharpest chisel that your hands have ever held. But darling, I could love you well till the rose called on high. I've seen my share of trouble and I've held my weight in shame. But I'm baptized in your name. Lady May, uh, that song is about, uh, I, I'm guessing, his wife. The whole album is about the journey from um, being a single man, just like kicking it around eastern Kentucky, uh, full of moonshine and cocaine, uh, which the mountains definitely are, uh, to becoming a family man and becoming a, a, an adult at 26 and, and, and really like putting in the work. Um, I will say, I mentioned, so, or maybe I didn't mention the interview. I He did an interview with... Chris Shiflett today, which if you guys mm. don't listen to Walking the Floor, it's in general a great podcast. Like Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters, yeah. so it's stars interviewing stars, right? It's really good. Shiflett's enthusiasm is it's it's infectious. It's great. At the end of the day, though, he's one of the biggest rock stars in the world, along with Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Right. So so Dave Grohl, who who spent time in Washington D.C. as a child, yeah. To take it with a grain Scream. of salt. But this interview <laughs> was interesting because, uh, you know, he's going to be playing here in D.C., uh, Tyler. How the fuck is that show sold out? How did I miss that? We're, we're going to get to that. We're going to okay. get to that. Son. Okay. Um, Narrative son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. and, and, and he didn't necessarily, at least to Chris, like have much to say about his music. Just like, hmm. this is how I do it, and this is what it is, and yeah, so that happened. And... Uh, and and I, I kind of respect that. Like we've had we've had done a bunch of interviews where people just aren't necessarily talkers; they're players. And luckily for him, I think the proof is in the pudding in in this particular album. Um, you know, when we heard meta modern so- sounds in in um in modern country, uh, that was like a revelation for people because it hadn't been around in a while, but. It wasn't necessarily real. It, for me. It was just like this is a great fucking album. Yeah. But like people have been making these albums all the time, so it shined a light, which is a great thing. And it shined a light, luckily, on him. Like his drummer, his friend is Sturgill's drummer, and that's how this all came together. Okay. Uh, so so he put out an album in twenty eleven, and and has basically been playing shows ever since. And given where he came up, and given like spent time in Nashville, and he spent time all up and down the south, and. You know, I just got the Dave Rawlings album, which we're going to be reviewing eventually. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the type of album that Dave Rawlings and Julian Welch would make, and I think yes. has more in common with that than maybe what Sturgill is making or the people who are saving country music. It's a very genuine um, take on on life in the country in a way that's not pandering and and i'm still trying to figure out after a bunch of listens how it got there well uh, i think i mean i i think the first thing that's uh maybe worth noting is that the album bef- uh was bottles and bibles or bibles mm-hmm. and bottles is that yeah um it's a very no frills album it's basically him and a guitar yeah. there's not there's yeah. not much else going on so it's um and and i i sort of uh concluded from that that okay well this is a guy who's just you know he's the strength of his songs is 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 what's 
presumably gotten here. And I, and I, and I do think for someone, I haven't heard that interview, Kevin, but you know, he might not have a lot to say, but some of the, some of the wordplay on, you know, that last verse of Lady May is Mm -hmm. now I ain't the toughest hickory that your ax has ever felt, but I'm a hickory just as well. I'm a hickory all the same. I came crashing through the forest as you cut my roots away and I fell a good long ways for my lovely Lady May. Like that's, that is, that is, that is at a level of, of play. And and it's, and that's, that is a skill that can be, that you can master and perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it usually requires listening to a lot of mid sixties Dylan. Yep. Um, yep. And, uh, and here's the thing, like why you don't have to explain that. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, how do you write? Yeah. Just fucking listen to my shit. So I feel like, um, the, one of the great strengths of this record is that because um, there there's some weaknesses we'll get to that, but um, one of the great strengths is that the great songwriters of all country eras all have this folk tradition yeah. within them, and it's like not rock, it's not soul, it's expressly folk. And I think that there's something about amorphous <laughs> eastern amorphous eastern Kentucky, mm. which is what we'll call where he's from, amorphous eastern Kentucky, which is just this blob on the map. Um, where I think that there's something there that's probably very much more folk-driven than other places in the country. It's folk and bluegrass, and I, and I think the, okay. I mean bluegrass is is the for for good country, right? Uh, is and especially for like David Rollins stuff is like yeah. is is the basis for this. And stuff he's because, locked in. Yeah, he he is locked in because what it is is that, um, you know, what, where I disagree uh, to say that everybody has a a song in their voice, a lilt in their voice. It's like a southern accent is generally kind of nasty. Mine comes out when I drink, and it's just like it's just kind of like it's kind of gross. Because <laughs> and eventually it devolves into like you can't. It's Boomhauer from Texas, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and you can't understand it. But 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 when it hits, and and when it really uh, is the thing, uh, is is when uh, is when people in the South are telling stories, and this is something that I think is unmatched by any region in the country. I think. Uh, I, I don't know why it is. It's something that I I yeah. wonder about. I explore in like uh, people like that. I used to you know live outside Bedford County. People I worked with in my famous Punkin. Oh, Punkin! Yeah, oh, Punkin. And yes. and but everybody I know who is deeply Southern, or at least like grew up there long enough. Uh, Patterson Hood. Yeah, Mike Cooley mm-hmm. is is. Even like say Patterson Hood, even if his lyrics aren't great, he can tell a fucking story, and it's that and it's that particular drawl at the end that pulls you in, and it's a use of language not unlike the beat poets were doing, uh, but but it's it's weirdly natural, and and I and I still I mean my whole life I've wondered where this actually comes from, what what tradition, how this actually happens, but this is. In full effect on a track uh, that I want to play here called Feathered Indians, which to my mind is one of the best tracks. It's one of the best tracks of the year, even though I know it's problematic. Very. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but the, the line about um, – there's a line in this about uh, if I had known that you were such a good like Baptist, essentially. I wouldn't have shut I, up. I wouldn't have shut up fucked up. Yeah. But, uh, but, <laughs> and, I, but I honestly will say that like this could almost get a pass. Almost it's so good. Almost well. Well, uh, that, that's why I like it. When we come back, you tell us why it's why it's awful here. Here's yeah. Fe- here's feathered in this. Well, my buckle makes impressions on the inside of her thigh. There are little feathered Indians where we tussle through the night. If I know. 
known she was religious, then I wouldn't have came stoned to the house of such an angel who fucked up to get back Spirits on the roof She asked, ain't anybody told you That them things are bad for you I said, many folks aboard me There's been several people try But up till now There ain't been nothing That I couldn't leave behind Hold me close, my Indians uh, off of Tyler Childers Purgatory. Uh, that is a classic example of understanding the form that you're working in. And, and at 26, like I, I remember when I was 26, and like you know, I I wouldn't. Have yeah, yeah, no. This, you know, this, and, and I, I was a writer. I, didn't have this I was a writer, yeah. and I yeah. wouldn't have thought to like put together words like that. And that and that's what I mean about Southerners getting into. Uh, whether or not they're from an actual town or just eastern Kentucky, uh, Southerners get into a storytelling mode that that they can pull things out of. There's there's metaphors that exist partially because uh, a lack of education like just dropped certain yeah. things that you have to keep referring to because that's all you know. But but it, it and that's not it's not pejorative. That's just like. That's well, how it is. Well, no, but uh, it's it's funny that you made that point in the last segment because I've, I've found myself thinking about this quite a bit listening to this album, which is trying to understand why there are these pockets where people just seem to fall in love with language and storytelling. Yeah. Um, and, I th- and, I th- and I think you do see it in some of the best um, Southern and particularly, you know, Appalachian um, songwriting. Um, there's, there's like a whole – there's a TV show, Justified – um, which is which? Yeah. Which basically the this album could inhabit. I mean, I mean, it's it's you know the characters on that show could you know live on this album absolutely. Um, and and one of the great things about it is that is that the characters in that show show up and like deliver soliloquies all the time or like monologues, right? So they show up and they say, not only am I the villain, but I'm going to tell you specifically the ways in which I'm the villain. I'm going to do it you know in a in a way that's colorful and engaging, and and maybe because we're predisposed to accept that, like it it. it None of it came across as 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 wooden or fake, and that's that's kind of how I feel about the ways in which this album is successful, which is that it it has a certain uh, self conscious intention of telling you an engaging story, and there is something you know when when you when you're in the hands of a of a skillful storyteller, there is something really nice about just suspending disbelief and saying, "Well, I'm just I, I'm not in control anymore," sure. right? And that's sure. and. It's like the Cohen, what the Cohen brothers do. It is. So, it is. so, so but you're, you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say Tyler Childers reminds me of Kenny Rogers. Yeah. In, in a really There's good way. There's nothing wrong with that. No, in a really yeah. good way. Yeah, that, yeah. But okay, so like when Kenny Rogers was in the first edition, he had a song called 
I just, I just, well, I just checked in to find out what condition my condition was Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Which is like a 13-word song title. Kenny Rogers, many years later, released The Gambler. The Gambler, yeah. By comparison to, I just checked in to see what condition my condition was in. There's a thing with words. Uh-huh. That I want to get to when it comes to Tyler Childers. I get the sense that he, like, just learned, like, in writing songs that you can use words to write songs. And, like, the words that he uses are great, but there are too many of them. Well, the... <laughs> and, and, like, that, and, and it drives me crazy and that, because... And that's sort of what I was referencing. Without knowing any of his background and stuff, you're talking about... Uh, and it, it is problematic that they don't say what town he's from. Right. There's a town in eastern Kentucky that he is from. Yeah. And if it's from a metropolis, that makes this a, a cynical album. Right. If it is from a uh, holler... Right. Then the, as the authenticity, you know, it shouldn't be hidden because nobody knows where it's from. But but in those communities, what you have is instead of uh, a solid like education system, you have education passed down through generations. Right. And so you all have the same words. You all have the same stories. You all have the same uh, way of expressing yourself. Yeah, he just got a whole vocabulary, though, and it just like spills out of him. You have this like sense of like newfound language. Right. Or you could use language to, like, describe a thing really, really well and very vividly. And it's the same thing Kenny Rogers did for the yeah. first chunk of his Chris career. Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson. Same way. Yeah. Where it's like, there's, and there's songs by Kenny Rogers at the start of his career where you're like, man, you just wrote everything. You didn't leave a word out. Yeah. And then by the end, the songs that are truly iconic. Because mm-hmm. he has truly iconic songs in him. That's the thing you could tell, and this is a great starting point. Yeah, like naming the song "Feathered Indians," I, it's 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 offensive to people who are not from where he's from. Yeah, we need. I mean, yeah. I mean, if that's, you that's are a from, point. That's if a you point are worth from making. where he is from, this is the most normal fucking song ever because you're just like, oh yeah, Feathered Indians, right? It is not the preferred nomenclature, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's say. one of those things where yeah. this this album also to me is the first time that I've heard something Trumpian. In country, in that way, where you're like, these people come from a place, and this is what they know, so they don't know anything other than what they know. Because you normally, I wouldn't lay Trumpian on that. Well, I mean, I lay Trumpian on only because I'm listening to this, and I hear like feathered Indians, and I go, "There's a a a a racing culture thing there." So let's look at what let's look at what he's actually referring to. He's he's referring to a belt buckle, right? Of course, like leaving impressions on her jeans. Mm -hmm. Right. And I get that. But the thing is that the average person who listens, who sees this record, because country is a thing that for most people, especially people who are coming upon this album the first time. Let me let me tie it together. Not to interrupt you, but let me tie it together. Country and Western. Yes. Lone Ranger and Geronimo. Right. What is and look, whatever that might be offensive and stuff. No, it's the truth. But what do people know about that? Cowboys and Indians. Right, right, right. And. But it's 2017. It is 2017, <laughs> but maybe in Eastern Kentucky, and well, not maybe. No, absolutely, probably, is, probably isn't. And no, I, I agree, but it's the thing where we are now pulling this culture into mainstream conversation. This was reported about on NPR. Yeah, yeah. So you're pulling this culture into mainstream, top hit, top of the page, above the fold conversation. Well, let's be clear. Oh. This got on NPR because of Sturgill. But, right. right, but right. still, it's there now. 
You're right. It's in the room. But, it, but, it, but it's there. Because it is a great song. And he's a great, well, uh, he's a great songwriter, so he's going to stay a, in the room. I would say he's a better songwriter than Sturgill. Well, that's yeah. true. But um, <laughs> but and I feel I have a feeling like he he's done some work with Sturgill before. I mean, the both, more than yeah, like, both can coexist. I want a good album from Sturgill's down the road. Right. But, if, but if I'm looking no, at Sturgill's guy, last album or but, this one, I'm like, yeah. No, but, there is, but there is now, like, there is there is a burden on him now. Right. right. That, that, that wasn't yeah. there before because he probably had no idea... That I mean, no one did right. that. That this album was going to blow up this way, it's, perhaps. Well, I mean, it's one but, of those things where now he's in the room, so you have to yeah. like be. He can't write another song called Feather. Right, Indians. that's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, but it's but it's intriguing in the sense that like, again, to make that Kenny Rogers comparative, it's going to be fun to watch him learn how to do less with how to do more with less, as his songwriting potential grows. Right, because as he learns words, words have power. And when you pick the most powerful words, you end up with like really potent pop crossover kind of material. And and as somebody who's like hoping and praying for the day that like dudes with spiked hair who sing about girls and and and, and butts and back seats of, of, of pickup trucks <laughs> goes away red red solo cups. Yeah, you know, like I, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't need that narrative anymore. It's 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 tired. Um, I hope that people like him who understand the power of language, have the opportunity it, to write and sing and, and make money from the great songs. And another funny part about that interview is, is, is that I think, I think you're onto something here, and I think that's where he, he might be headed, and we're going to hear a little bit. I think this is probably one of the best songs on the album, right? Band of Clovis? Band of Clovis yeah. is yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but uh, in that interview with Shiflet, uh, he, he mentions, like, well, what were you listening to in high school? And he said, uh, Merle Haggard and Buck Owens. And then Shiflet was just like, yeah, so you were just like alone in that, and he was like, "Nah, I'm in Kentucky. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, like everybody. I mean, literally everybody. Like, Mer- <laughs> I was handing a Merle Haggard tape. Do, 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 uh, the entire bedroom. South. Like, I was handing a Merle Haggard tape when I was nine years old. Like, you are going to like this. And it's your standard issue. Uh. It, it is your standard <laughs> issue. Um, but this is Bandit Clovis, and this is uh, this is uh, it's a great song. Dana Nolan had a man with a good place for sifting. He invited me digging, so I picked up my screen and a shovel to dig in a jar of shine. Traded me fair for a bottle of wine. Brothers Barnes Mountain Wine. I took a ridge for a while and we slowly went down to an overhang Hit from the ridge line Been over our handles and we bit in the ground The dark and bloody ground Shovel, gotta find your fire in the 
stuck for a while, then it all turned to ashes. Found a bunch of broke flint and a few bits of bones. Then I heard Jesse yell over the pile he was sifting. Shook the hills like the angels were calling us home. I was going to say, like, the one thing that, that may make this record work as, like, a, a quote-unquote pop record that, you know, NPR, other people will cover, or people who, like, are kind of, like, warming up to this, like, quote-unquote country revival are into, is that he steals, like, all the, and, and stealing is okay, because genius steals, um, all of the great cadences from this kind of, like, storyteller, super warm country history, and that's, and, and, and that's kind of, like, one of the things about this record that I think really grabs the average listener who's not you know, one of the three of us in this room who do no. this, like, critical. Yeah, it's what's sold out Songbird. Yeah. His, his show here, so, for people who don't know who, aren't, who are listening outside DC, Songbird is a great little venue. They have a record shop on one side of the bar. On the other side and downstairs, they have a venue. It's like, what, 200, 250, maybe? 250, if that. Don't, if don't, that. Say, don't, don't quote 250. Uh, we, because... we, we, in fact, interviewed Miles Mosley directly yes, from Songbird, did. and it was great. Um, and how's his voice doing? <laughs> the man is a beautiful singer. Somebody call Bar as, as I sat down here. <laughs> um, but but um, you know, uh, so so he sold this out, and part of it was the NPR boost of it, and part of it is people want this saving country music. But but to your point, Marcus, part of it is, uh, Simpson uh, basically assembled a hell of a fucking band for this record. I mean, you have Stuart Duncan on fiddle mandolin. You have Michael J. Henderson on guitar. Russ Paul on pedal steel. He's played on pretty much everything. Uh, Michael Bob on bass. And Miles Miller, who's Sturgill's drummer. I mean, yeah. this was... And then he had... Like a country wrecking crew. It's a country wrecking crew. And David Ferguson, who's like working on everything in fucking Nashville right now. Right. So so he had, uh, he had a team that could produce a record, which I think, whether or not... It remains to be seen whether uh, Childers is cognizant of this you know he could have just walked in the studio and been like whoa man but but at least he had somebody guiding him towards this yeah and that and was able to get it out it was apparently uh from everything i've heard like maybe the third time he tried to make this record okay right and and they finally got it right with the right players um they're, they're, I mean, the the resources he has are well used on this. Yeah, and, that, and I'll just, I mean, I, as a as a banjo loving Brazilian, um, you know, the way the banjo sounds on that song is it's it's a little bit mean. It's fucking majestic. It it's, is mean. It's mm-hmm. in control. Um, but there's a little bit of danger in the in the sound of yep. that and that mean twang. And that it's, is exactly that's that's the banjo sound from Hell Among the Yearlings. Yeah, um, that I love so much. Like it's a, it's you're, you're not sure if the banjo is there. It's it's that guy who shows up at the end of the movie, and it's either he's either going to help you or kill you. Yeah. yeah, right. It's a it's um, a lead banjo, which yeah. is the weirdest well, thing in the world to say. But in that's a, what in it a, is in a song that, that that basically borrows heavily melodically from very traditional mountain music, like Pretty Polly or Pretty Sarah, depending on uh, which version you know. Right. Um, Even though death and yeah, no, right. <laughs> I mean, no, no. It's, it's 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 very much and 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 there's a whole thing about. Uh, there is a there is a version of Kentucky music before bluegrass, which yeah. is um, there's a great Smithsonian Folkways release called Mountain Music of Kentucky, which is basically John Cohen and a few other ethnomusicologists climb up into the mountains in the 50s and just record people. And they say, hey, do you own an instrument? 
Did you learn songs from your parents? Let's let's hear them. Yeah, right? And yeah. it's just people sitting on their porches and playing, and they're playing old murder ballads. And there's plenty on this album that evokes that. I think there's plenty on this album that's not at all from that tradition. And so I think maybe he gets a little too much credit for that Kentucky thing. But there is but there is enough of the real stuff in there. It's like a very nice blended whiskey. Well, look, <laughs> blended <laughs> whiskey. And, like yeah, it. It, 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 that's a good way to put it because I, I think there's a lot of. Um, what I know what he was trying to do with this album was quote unquote get the dirt of the mountain uh on on the album dirt of the thing and i I think what people you know we're deep into the uh in into the narrative of the opiate epidemic and stuff, but yeah. what people don't understand about or maybe you do about mountain like especially the appalachian like uh is that not meth, but like drugs like speed and cocaine run rampant. Moonshine. I mean, this is not, and it's and, it, and it's as a matter of 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 necessity because not necessarily cocaine, but like speed, easy to produce. Moonshine, easy to produce. Mm-hmm. People don't have jobs. People don't necessarily have educations. People don't necessarily have any income. Like any, like, but they have family, and and this is. Yeah, and 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 so it, it's a, it's a very different part of America that people again want to romanticize, but real, when well, I lived in let's put it this way, when I lived in Roanoke, I I I knew more speed dealers than I could ever know in my life. Real real <laughs> like, talk, yeah. I spent the better part of maybe three weeks. Of 2015 in Charleston, West Virginia. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about. And and, and it was just because, like, you know, I have family down there. Like, they just kind of ended up there because, like, they had a job to transfer them there. But um, I also love country, and I love, mm-hmm. like, folk. So you go to, like, Charleston, West Virginia, you're like, ooh, this is going to be the moment. I'm going to get to see what the stuff is made from. And when you walk around, like, the mall, yeah, yeah. and you're just like, Humans on drugs, sketchy, for real. sketchy white people. And you're just <laughs> right. like, wow, <laughs> this is yeah. where like, and you see, and it's yeah. like, and you listen to these songs, and you see like where they physically come from, and you're just like, the impact of this makes like your favorite gangster rap song look like a walk in the park. A little bit, there's, like a little bit. It I makes mean, a two chain there, song there, there, seem like certainly, it's there's certainly a through line to be to be drawn to connect the two. Yeah, um, because poverty is poverty, right? And and you know, a bullet or a knife, it doesn't matter how you die. There it like, is. It, you know, it's it. Poverty is is just it's it's horrible, but it it doesn't just exist in the cities. I think uh, you metaphor like walking or not metaphor but an actual real thing and walking through the mall is like that's the thing is people respond to adverse conditions by unfortunately fucking themselves up yeah or or by and in these communities yeah this is what's available and one of and i will call this a try i won't call it a triumph of an album but this is a triumph of the album is that he doesn't ever shy away from it, and even when he's or sort of, romanticize it, or, right? He does a little, but oh, but you, know, you can't. It's but, uh, but the whole album is a journey. It is a journey in from, the way that you romanticize youth, right. I think. Yes, so, right. in the way so that you like, romanticize youth. It's, like, it's yeah. like this: like um, Public Enemy have a song called Night of Living Bass Heads mm-hmm. <laughs> that um, is all about like you know the, the crack cocaine epidemic, 
and it like the song itself because it's you know produced by the bomb squad so it has this like real like heavy foreboding sense and it makes the 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 crack epidemic feel like it's this thing that's like falling down to hell like in that curtis mayfield sort of way but the thing about this record and the thing about being in that general era i was there for like three weeks so like yeah. i like spent a large sum of time in in appalachia it's all stuck in stasis yeah like nobody it's like everybody's just hanging on yep so uh, when you hear like the way that this these these songs are, are played and the way that the instruments interact with each other and the way that his voice mm-hmm. mixes into that it just gives you that sense of like the creeping stasis of it all. And if you, and you, like ha- it's not and you have die. to die. No, yeah. and you have to pay attention though. Right. I think because if not, like if not, you could easily like gloss over this and it'd be like some no, romantic you, but, version of, of being a redneck and doing this stuff. But if you pay attention to it, that's not at all what he's saying. A, there's a thing about seeing somebody like physically seeing someone. And I physically saw someone like this. Who's like hollowed out dead behind the eyes, yeah. still walking down the street. Yeah. You know they don't have any money in their pocket. You know they haven't had a job in like 18 months. Right, right. And they're somehow still moving. I told you to keep Gus's name out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you're just like... Yeah. And and it's not like you can romanticize it at all. No, no. But it it stops you in a way where you're just like... I have never in all of my years seen someone or something like this... And then it's like, and then the, the point comes the next day when you wake up and you stand in the exact same spot mm. and you see another person yeah. doing the exact same thing. Right. And it's in a neighborhood where there used to be like 37 stores on a, on a block yep. and now none of them are there yep. and they're all boarded up, like boarded up, like literally with boards tacked on. And you're just like, and you, it's not like romanticized staring and watching. It's like stunned, damn near apoplectic. Staring and watching of like, how? Yeah. How sway? How did this happen? Like, what point? I mean, I think I think there's 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 an important. I think the most recent uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates article about you know Trump as the original white president, Absolutely. the first white president, yes. kind of speaks to this, right? Which is that that no matter what white poverty looks like, it is partly defined by the fact that it's not black poverty. Yeah, and it, and and it sort of yeah. and it sort of gets to say we're not the bottomist rung, right? There is like like America has reserved a special group of people, yeah, uh, that I can always look down on no matter how bad things are for me, which um, is, which is which is a false assumption on the, the occupants of that space. So yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it, it is the bottomist rung. I think that's right. It's, I think it's, I think it's 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 just as uh, just as hopeless a space probably, and and and. And I'm hearing um, you talk, Marcus, and I'm remembering that I, w- I was in um, Cincinnati for my sister's graduation back in May. Oh, another and w- one and of my so, favorite, yeah, oh, and my so, favorite and cities so, in America right now. And she actually lives in, in northern Kentucky there across the river. Yes. And so yeah. we drove through like Covington and other places like oh, that. Does she live in a city? Um, she does not live in the city. Uh, oh, no, no. She's just in, East, <laughs> she's in eastern Kentucky. Just, just northern, northern <laughs> just, Kentucky. Northern Kentucky. Um, and, and and Covington has a couple of blocks that look like they belong in Georgetown, where you have these nice brick houses from the 1800s right. that yeah. are well kept and all that. And then there are a ton of blocks of just like limping, tattooed white people 
And 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 I should I th- I think for those of you who live especially on the east like in in a in a metropolitan center on the east coast you're not exposed to enough sketchy white people it's just a, it's an no, accident yes. of like race and class the way it plays out on the east coast we don't have enough sketchy white people nope. in our cities no, this is, um, this you go out west you see them everywhere <laughs> right um, and and in Kentucky you certainly see them too um, God. but the weird thing is that a lot of the businesses have kind of like western motifs. Yeah. Right. And in our minds, we're like, we're five hours from like the East Coast. Yeah. But there was a point 200 years ago when people were like, oh, this is the West. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Weirdest, and yeah. businesses no, needed no, hitching no. posts and yeah. things like that. Weirdest, and like leather boots. And weirdest moment of my life was like, I'm standing on a street corner. And, and I only say this not to be like, you know, like bourgeois or whatever. I'm wearing a $300 suit and I'm looking at somebody with less than like 25 cents in their pocket. And I'm the black guy and they're the white person. Yeah. And you're just like, and they're looking at me like, this is not what it is at all yeah. supposed to be. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm the immigrant. <laughs> I'm like, and, <laughs> and you're just like, and it was and a great I can't moment. wait to get back to my Subaru. <laughs> right. And it was a great moment. You're just like, like, I'm looking at this person. They're looking at me and we're just staring at each other. And I'm like drinking my Starbucks coffee even worse. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I'm just sitting here drinking my coffee, blah, blah, blah. And that person no longer believes in white privilege because of you. <laughs> of Marcus. course. And it was yeah. like, it was just an astounding <laughs> moment. You're just like. Well, 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 I understand why Donald Trump was the president. I totally get it now. I completely get it. But, but my apologies. But so to wrap to wrap up our discussion, of this up is like I think what we're saying is that like this is actually all reflected in this album. Mm-hmm. I, I think you totally can, I think you can go into it. I I don't think my experience is unique. A lot of people grew up in Lynchburg. A lot of people grew up in the South. A lot of people. So you know uh, what he's speaking to, and and what we we've sort of landed on is that like. The guy's a fucking tremendous writer. And yeah, he really, and he really can right. go... He's going to write a great song one day that has like... I think four... he wrote some great songs. And and, and I, not, he, he didn't write his best songs, but he right. wrote some great songs. I, I'm here for his best songs. Okay. I know, that they, I know that they exist. And I listen to these songs. And again, it's like the whole Kenny Rogers thing, where if you think that early Kenny was a great writer, I'm sure that there are people who like after two first edition albums were like, Kenny Rogers, he's the guy. Yeah. And then when they hear Islands in the Stream, they're like, man, <laughs> Kenny Rogers, still kicking it. You yeah. know? No, 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 like, you're right. Or you the know, Gambler, still, still kicking it. You know, you know? But, but with this, I think it's a, uh, it's a tremendous like reboot. I think if you are on the fence on this, maybe uh, ignore the saving country music stuff. Ignore the whole thing. The, the fact is... Always ignore the hype. Yeah, look, yeah. Like, look, this is just good craft. Country music been yeah. saved. Country music is a ten billion dollar industry. Country music has been saved. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and if you want like what you think is saving country music, there's literally like fifty years of history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's more. The shit's pretty safe, there's guys. 60, <laughs> yeah. Like so, like it's 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 not safe from black people, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, oh my. But uh. But but hot take. <laughs> but as such, so you know, he's such a good writer. I was. I'm actually going to say, like, man, just buy this to support this kid, essentially, out in the world. Let, let them know that, like, yeah, you're on the right track. If the next album comes out and there's three songs with red solo cups, or there's a red solo cup, a green solo, <laughs> club, solo cup, and a blue solo cup, then, you know, maybe not so much. But I, I yeah, don't then, th- then, I, then I, we were all wrong. I, 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 I don't see that happening. Yeah. I think this is, this is uh, endearing. I think there's a few... Uh, minor, 
low points on this, but otherwise it's a, it's a stellar fucking work. Are we going out on Universal Sound? I just don't know if it's worth saying anything about that. Well, say whatever you yeah. want. Like, but, well, I mean, but, well, well, so, well, and that's and that's the kind of the one weird departure on this album. But I, but I'll, I'll I'll echo your comments, Kevin. I mean, I think I think this is uh, I think there's some stellar songwriting on display here. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep jumping back and f- uh, back and forth between whether it's a it's a hard stream or a or a soft buy i think i'm going to end up i guess cuz uh, his show is sold out so i can't go see him so I'll, i guess i'll buy the album instead yeah. and that'll be where i put that ticket money to i want i want this on vinyl but, and i and i want i want i want this on a reissue vinyl i want uh, like yeah. 10 years from now it's yeah. one of these things that people again you're going to come people are going to come back to this record and be like right. man right. he was so we saw it there yeah yeah that yeah, kind of this, deal this by I, the way is so much better than the last jason isbell record i just I just yeah. had to get Thank that you for saying that. because like, not yeah. because the songwriting it, on this is, is so, so much better and yeah. he's on 30 tigers so yeah. he's got right. his imprint on 30 tigers not, let's not talk about that t- that uh that that that, that, <laughs> okay, that jason okay. isbell anxiety <laughs> <laughs> Fucking how come I'm never Marcus, where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Tell us what you think about Tyler Childers. Tyler Childers, um he's gonna write all the great songs one yeah. day. Like I think that the one thing that I think that one thing that Tyler Childers shows you is that there's like a whole new crop of just really awesome people learning how to write songs again in country. And it's and the pool is far deeper and wider than you'd ever imagine. Yeah. Because I think that Tyler Childers is one of like 35 people who are yep. hanging out in, where is it, Eastern, Eastern Kentucky? Eastern, Eastern Kentucky. Kentucky, just hanging out in the hills. Where or, do you live, but, Tyler? <laughs> like, if we talk to you a songbird, I'm going to ask you where you We're live. We're going to send Carrie after you because that's her, uh, yeah. her, her stomping <laughs> yes. ground. Yeah, so, you <laughs> know. Yeah. At the bottom of this. Yeah, so, like, there's a there's like 35 people in Eastern Kentucky who are all doing this thing. Yeah. And I'm glad that like, he sent that record to Sturgill. And I'm glad that Sturgill gave him the opportunity yeah, because yeah, I yeah, want to. Yeah. Because what what's going to end up happening in country is that you're going to end up with like this all. It's going to whittle down to this all star cast of people, from the musicians to the writers, and we're seeing all of them right now like putting out great work. Like and and the greatest of the great work is going to be the stuff that's going to stick. Yeah, which is fascinating because that means that there's a whole bunch of like kind of so so people that could be writing songs for like Sam Hunter or whomever. Yeah. And it's going to be a thing, and you're just going to be like, "Oh." Okay. I think right now, if you had like the Country Avengers, you'd have to put like like he'd be he'd be uh, he'd be Spider Man. He'd be the young kid. Okay, yeah. doesn't, doesn't okay. know what's going yeah. on exactly. Lori McKenna is fucking Hulk. She yeah, is, she's, she's, yeah. She, she's fucking it's on a different level. You know, uh, Stapleton <laughs> is made, probably Captain America. You know, and, yeah. and uh, we're, we're we'll, looking, we'll see Sonny Sweeney in the sequel. We'll see Sonny Sweeney in the sequel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and and so you have this whole crew of people, old and young, that are are building this uh, not not saving country music, not a new Americana, oh. but they're they're writing the albums that people have basically just, said. I don't want to do it because it's too commercially risky. Who, who did I just see on the on the uh, Irma uh, Harvey fund? It was Lyle Lovett, George Strait, uh, Miranda Lambert, uh, Chris Stapleton, and someone else was on stage with them. We were like flipping through channels, and it was just I was just like, okay. oh my god, Lyle Lovett is on national TV. Like I have okay. to, I have to watch. I'm so, like legally so required again, to pay attention. Again, to and I say this every time we do a country podcast, country is developing like the meanest crew of like mainstream musicians and songwriters and artists in general just like a mean crew that's like 25 deep at this point like it's what we all wanted like r&b to be like 10 years ago and it's just disgusting like just not even fair 
And like, we're, we're probably about a year or two out before it, it actually executes, but I think I think you're right. Yeah. I think yeah. this is... It's disgusting. It's so, so beautiful. You are, you are with this album, though. What, what I... Do I he, Come on, man. You know you want. You know what you want to do. You know what you want to do. Everybody, take a listen to this. Don't don't buy it quite yet. Oh, buy, buy it and buy it in ten oh, years. Oh man. Okay. Don't Mark buy it right just, now. He just looked over the edge there and just decided yeah. to buy oh, it. Okay. Man, I, I was, know there's uh, a better song. I know there's a better song. I hear it in him. I go, there's a better song. Than you, Marcus, man. wrong side of history, Dowling there with the track. <laughs> um, okay. And we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about making your album in public. Is it good, bad, or has it been done by our friend Chad? Only had a couple drinks last night and a few good hits from an inner pipe that must admit I had a few white lines and I don't know what all happened. I woke up in the noontime light with a pounding head, shining on my eye and I don't know how and I don't know why, but it feels like fierce abandoned. All working on a building out of hand hewn brimstone. Uh, track you were just listening to right now is Drape the Mania. It is off the two, 2015 album uh, by Beauty Pill. Beauty Pill describes things as they are. Our good friend Chad Clark, you've heard, hey, him, Chad. You've heard <laughs> him down here uh, talking about himself, talking about Colin Stetson, uh, right. a, a general all-around great dude. Uh, you can find him watching City Paper now while he's not making music. I know they're yes. working on a uh, new album, but it, I play that song because... Uh, what we want to talk about is a recent trend lately um, that keeps getting reported on and he keeps getting asked about, which we're not concerned about him getting asked about. He knows he knows what he did. Uh, mm-hmm. But when they recorded that album, our friend PJ took part in this, actually. They they had a uh, space set up at a no longer in existence uh, venue called Art Space here in outside of D.C. And, and they recorded the album in public. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they... Uh, recorded in the round, and they had people photograph it, and they documented everything that was going on. And it was it was a beautiful project. When the album came out, they did performances in the same way. And it was wild because you could go in, and everybody was in the positions that they generally recorded in, and uh, so you could sort of mix as 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 envisioned by them, mix the album yourself. So if you wanted the guitars louder, you just stood next to Drew. If you wanted the drums yeah, uh, louder, yeah. you know, if you wanted to hear Chad sing louder, you just stood closer to Chad. Uh, I chose uh, Basilis, the bass player, like because she's awesome. It's like, yeah, let's just hear the bass. Let's go. Um, but uh, this year, what's been popping up, and, and I've been actually been fielding a bunch of these in our press emails, 
is is that the new thing to do uh, is is now to live stream your album in its creation. Now PJ Harvey did that, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and again, none of the mainstream pe- press acknowledged that Chad had done that, even though that year they they fawned over the album. Uh, and and now uh, in 2017 we have two. Uh, I think possibly there might be a third coming up, uh, but uh, one is Esperanza Spalding, who's uh, the evolution of Emily. Is that the name of the uh, Emily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, last year was an amazing album, so she's doing something coming up on, on Facebook Live. Our boy Neil Finn, uh, Neil Finn just did the same thing, and it's funny because I I uh, know the guy who runs his press and sent me the email, and I was just like. Chad Clark says hi. He's like, God damn it. He's like, I know. And then he's like, Esperanza too. I'm like, yeah. Like, every, so, so everybody seems to be doing this. And in fact, uh, today I read a piece where Dave Grohl came out and said they didn't do this for the new album because PJ Harvey right. did this. So and it was a news cycle about a thing that didn't happen. <laughs> Right. So, so, so first of all, uh, let, let's let's get to the idea of this. Do you guys think this is a good idea to like uh, to do this stuff in public, or do you think it's more like a marketing gimmick? Oh, it's definitely a marketing gimmick. Do you <laughs> really think? I mean, it's it's not it's not it's it doesn't run counter to the quality of the product, but you, but you do it to make the eventual customers or audience feel involved in the process of creation. Right, but how is that a and marketing gimmick? If if maybe well, like if you're playing a show, if you're a band, you want to make the audience feel you're part creating of it. stakeholders from the go. Okay, I mean, this is actually actually the, it's the uh, de-evolution the, in the music industry. Well, well, the the Chevy Volt, a big like like if you go back and you look at car marketing, uh, they did the same thing. They basically like they 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 raised up the curtain on the process of designing, manufacturing, and selling this car, and it's not that different from what. We just had a, an Apple event this week. Yeah. Tesla does the like. It's not that different from basically saying, uh, inviting the audience into into uh, certain facts that you wouldn't divulge before about your production capacity, when you're going to deliver products, getting them to pre-commit to buying things later. Right? You put down a thousand dollars for mm-hmm. the right to pay thirty-four thousand dollars in two and a half years for a Tesla Series E or whatever. Yeah, it's 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 very good marketing, but it's. Not gonna, I think it'll it'll either become standard or just go away soon and be remembered not fondly. Um, so, I, I I don't I don't think the way Chad did it. I don't th- I don't think I don't think Beauty Pill did it in the same spirit. No, absolutely I think, not. I think if you're if you're no, one of because the, he hired people to document. Yeah. He hired the people right. that he wanted, like to make it a, an, an all around like the the way. Uh, I don't want to uh, speak out of pocket or something for Chad, but the way he works is like if he likes what you do. Like he will help to facilitate that. That's just yeah. that's how he's been, and uh, right. and that's why PJ. He didn't know PJ before this, mm. and that's why he got PJ in there, uh, who took the shot of the it's on the gatefold, um, yeah. of the garage, and um yeah. So that wasn't the spirit of it, but like why? I I, I guess then you know PJ Harvey definitely sort of traffics in the circles that. Chad does, yeah. Whether, whether Chad wants to admit it or not, like he, like he's like there. Every every poet is a thief, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there it is. There yeah. it is. And, and, to and, bring that quote back, and and, but... and so there's nothing to be angry about. Like uh, her likely like taking that 
idea from him, even though it's his wasn't even an original idea. Um, but when we see somebody, you have different gamuts or different ends of the spectrum, like doing it. So I guess Barnes of Spalding is sort of a jazz artist. Yeah, that could be super exciting. Neil Finn, on the other hand, is. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, a, I, don't, I didn't watch any of it. Very I, segmented. Yeah, I, I don't know how exciting gonna... it would. But 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 I'm gonna uh, sort of counter your argument with Thurston Moore. Mm-hmm. And what we said about his last album is that maybe that didn't need to exist as, as an album. But say it had existed as this, and you could buy it afterwards, but as an album. But like you got to get into the creation of this. Like, I mean, uh, is it is it a viable thing, or is, mean, are we just talking about? More marketing bullshit. You, I'm, I'm going to hear Marcus's take you, on that. Do you, I, don't, I don't want to be the boogeyman <laughs> in the room, but I'm going to be the boogeyman in the room. Um, real, real audio allowed you to shoot video in like 1998. <laughs> and it sucked. YouTube allowed you to shoot video in 2005 and it sucked yep um facebook live lets you shoot video in 2017 and it's finally fucking awesome <laughs> we've been trying to do this thing for like 20 years mm-hmm. and now that we're and and the same type of artist that was watching something on real audio in 1998 gets the chance to actually get it right 20 years later Note that this is not like Limp Biscuit doing this or Taylor Swift doing this or like Michael or, or uh, Michael Jackson, but Jay-Z doing this. It's Esperanza Spalding. Yeah. Who like was Grammy's attempt at like reaching into the indie, like, you know, atmosphere and pulling somebody down and saying, indie superstar, here you go. Yeah. Have fun. Um, Much to Justin Bieber's fans' chagrin, right? Isn't yeah, that, isn't that who she lost? Who, oh, that was the, who, that who was the idea. Out? That was yeah, the, the idea, right? Artist, yeah. It was like, ha ha ha, you know. So we're finally at this point where we can finally do it right. And it's a fascinating thing about technology is that technolo- technological things that we were trying to do in 1998, 20 years later, we're finally getting right. And it's the weirdest thing because I'm like almost 40, so it's like one of those moments where I feel really old, like painfully old. When I look at like the press cycle and I go. Oh, Esperanza Spalding, the indie superstar, is recording her album and putting it up on Facebook Live, of course. Because in 1998, all of the garage bands that I was kind of feeling were kind of like doing the same thing with like mp3.com as part of like the rollout of their (laughs) albums. And you're just like, and it's just, it's awkward because you're like, yay, innovation. But then I'm just also like, I guess we finally got it right. Like it, it's it's an awkward it's an awkward relationship to it because you again you want to you want to cheer for this, but at the same time it's like a wet blanket. Well, but Esperanza is a jazz musician, so I mean that that again. But no, but uh, she's not. She's a pop star because she oh, won a Grammy, yeah. and that's part of that's very much a part of her story at all times. He's Grammy award winning artist. Okay, Esperanza Spalding. We can't like she could she could make she could yodel. <laughs> but she won that Grammy, but it's a part of her story it, now. It, so it's, it, yeah, it stinks. I, I, I wonder if, if you're you're having a cynical eye on it because of the knowing the history of like we could have we tried. We yeah, I mean that's the thing that makes me cynical about it. To be perfectly honest, because, it's like it sucked. 
Like being a fan of independent underground, like striving, right, right. you know, alt mainstream music for 20 years of my life. And it's not to sound funny. It's perfectly honest. But uh, you, you struggle with this where you want to see your artists because there are your artists when they're like an underground artist. They're your artists. Absolutely. You want to see your artists succeed. Like Chad Clark, for many people, is their artist. Uh, yeah. You know, Neil Finn is their artist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you want to see. And for me, it was like the Mooney Suzuki and like huh. every yeah. band that uh. wasn't the Strokes. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck those guys. But anyway, but, but there's but so but, you're like, oh yeah, I and you want and you and I sat there and I watched like and I watched like the same string buffer for like a thousand years with my shitty like right. dial-up Wi-Fi, and now I'm like on my phone and I'm like, oh, cool. But but to throw whatever your, but to throw your own words back at you, yeah, is, I'm salty. Yeah, I know. Uh, like I said, we switch we switch places. <laughs> in the uh, to throw your words back at you, though, like yeah. you've always said, like if you if we know we're not going to make any money, if we know we're not going to do anything, right, then just fucking throw it all on the table. And, and that's so, what they're doing. And, and is there anything less uh, true to that spirit than just being like, you know what, fuck it, you watch us make it? Not when you have a marketing budget behind you. Okay. Well, <laughs> like if you didn't have a marketing budget, if like. If say like, not that Ab doesn't have Aaron Abernathy doesn't have a marketing budget, but he doesn't have Esperanza Spalding's marketing budget. You know, if if Ab like just woke up and was like, I'm gonna hang out in my basement in Northeast Washington D.C. and I'm gonna make some soul music and get like you know Cecily Bumbray and April and Vista and you know Nat Turner in my basement and make some music mm-hmm. and I'm gonna throw it up on Facebook Live. Well, I mean, eight people would well, probably eight people right now would care. Three people in yeah. this basement, right? Right. Three people, right, right. So it's like, well, yeah, it, it's it's all relative. It's all relative, I guess. But but video is just the newest tool. Like this is not a new thing in music, right? But, but, so, but, but uh, clear video that doesn't take a million years to buffer, right? And doesn't make you feel and, like like you're stupid for watching it, right? And 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 what used to happen is that for the video you had to you had to hope that there was a documentary crew. There documenting the album, and 18 months later, you could see a documentary about On how DVD. the album was made. What's a DVD? Right. right. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, with so in so so, what's interesting is that we're talking about so many different genres here, and they're all kind of doing the same thing. Um, in jazz, there's people who I I, I don't need. Um, I'm in the mind. I I listen to a lot of jazz. I'm in the minority of a lot of my sort of jazz head friends. I don't need alternate takes of songs that I like. I don't need to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't want a second take of Blue Train or of Flamenco <laughs> sketches or, um, you know, I, I just don't. I want I want the take that I know. I don't I don't need to hear if the solos evolved or if they got shorter. I just need the original Bill Evans solo from Flamenco sketches. Right. And if I have to hear that alternate take where like he actually plays several notes, like it's it's profoundly upsetting to me. Um, it's not that different from people who used to track down early live versions of songs before they were released, right? Because you could sort of chronicle how yeah, the songs... Yeah. It's not that different from what God. artists do on Pledge Music now. You o- send updates. OG, yeah. here's, OG Napster. Here's, here's, yeah, like, right, right. Um, and now and now on Pledge Music, there's actually a, like, you, you pre-buy the album, and then you get weekly updates about, well, here's five demos of this song, right? And here's a little bit of... Here's a snippet of video from us in the studio. And, and so I, it's... I think though it has this potential impact, and I think it had this impact on uh, Beauty Pill's album. And I could just be like... I could be completely wrong. But but I think... 
it ties in people to the experience that are going to be tied into the album at all. And also builds a little wall and says, oh, you didn't get this part of it. Yeah. And people are like, well, I was going to take a chance, but I'm not that adventurous. Now that I know that I can never get that other part of it and stuff, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not going to listen to it. Um, You know, another thing that we're going to be talking about on a later podcast is uh, live streaming of concerts and stuff. And, And so this is, Analogous to a thing uh, we couch wa- tour, bro. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the the Southwest waterfront here is coming up here in DC, and you're gonna have uh, aside from the monolith that will be the anthem run by IMP, you're gonna have uh, Pearl Street Warehouse, and then the uh, one I forget the name will be run by uh, the Jam Java guys, and I think there's gonna be one more. But Pearl Street Warehouse is very interesting because they built in a digital infrastructure into that, and they're just like, hey, you know what? If you want to live stream this to your fans, you just basically plug in. Yeah. And I'm sure they're charging an artist for the backbone, and that's that's mm-hmm. but I'm sure the fee isn't bad. But I mean, it, it, that gets into like taper stuff, that gets into that whole culture of like I want to hear this version of this, I want to hear this version yep. of this. Uh, I I'd be shocked Patterson Hood is going to be playing there. I'd be but shocked there's a market for that though. There well there is a there's a very big market for that. Right. This is applying it to albums. And so for for me, because albums aren't necessarily as satisfying as I want them to be in 2017, uh, I'm actually all for this. Like, I'll go back and I, I listened to the Neil Finn album. I did not watch it, but I will watch the Esperanza Spall. I'll watch one of them and yeah. be like, "That's cool," and then I'll listen to it. And I and I but but I segment that off. I'm not going to be like. This is kind of crap, but I saw her make it, so it's awesome. Like, no, that doesn't work that way. I mean, if you're if you're if you're 21, though, if you but and and and, that, and that's right. I I don't know that we have time to get into that argument of of what everything. Look, we're gonna have a unified theory by the end of this year on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but everything is leading to it is all on you, the consumer. Perfect and true and you know, regardless of what we say, regardless of how people market, regardless of how people think, like. You are ultimately responsible for what gets fed to you. Yeah, and well, um, I want to add in. I uh, interviewed Kamara Thomas, and she's become like a friend. Um, the one thing that she said to, to me this year about like just the music industry in general, she was talking about country, but it like extrapolates for the whole music industry. Is people are doing whatever the fuck they want and mm-hmm. literally don't care about what you think. Yep. And if you care to ascribe. A notion of like believability to what somebody's doing, then they're there for you. Yep, and, and that's kind of like the fascinating part of where we're at right now. It's stunning where people can you can do what you want to do more so than ever before. Well, like think about think about if Josh Tillman had live streamed the making of pure comedy, would that have made you? Would that like how would that have changed it? Uh, think about Foxygen. Foxygen <laughs> has a night. That would have been up. So I, I yeah. <laughs> right? I yeah. would have watched the making of that yeah. record. Well, no, like, no. Foxygen, you get an invite. It's an acid test. Yeah, right. Well, right? Right? Yeah, that's, right. right? But it gets yeah. back into like it, what this format is that we uh, obsess over and market and everything. Is that format music or is that just some sort of side project of music? Because like I listen to the Foxygen record now and I'm just like... I get the energy off of it. 
And I'm not like, yeah, man, that's fucking looking at the thing. I'm like, that's why I like it. I get yeah. the energy off of it. Yeah. So much Same thing on with the Father John Misty. As, as as pristine as a lot of that stuff is. Like, if you haven't heard the vinyl of that, I, I shit, it's fucking amazing. But if if that's the real dose, if getting that off, and people can do stuff, you know, live streaming is one thing. I mean, we're heading towards until the end of the world. Like, you, you put on your VR right. goggles or your right. AR goggles, and, and look, we're all old and super skeptical of it, but, like, if you went back to... 25-year-old me and said, hey, put this on and R.E.M. is going to play What's the Frequency, Kenneth, in your bedroom. How powerful is that? Well, uh, it's immensely powerful. <laughs> right. Um, that, But that's a little bit different from, from I think where we started, which is the idea of of inviting people into the creative act. No, these are being directly right. to Oculus. This is, but that's but that's a that's a deliver. But that's not it's not REM. You're not going back in time to see REM writing. What's the frequency, Kenneth, in your room? Right. You're just you're just right. getting a a sort of it's a it's a that's a new content delivery thing. But it's not it's not about um, creating fan engagement in the process. Right. And I think, and, and, you know, there's always going to be people out there who like, like they do commentary tracks for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah. I probably listened to like, you know, I mean, Spotify um, made a whole entire industry out of it yeah, for a while. They did. they did. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I mean, I think that's the sad part now is that because we, we've revealed, we've, we've knocked down the fourth wall, everything is everything. So you can't like put like marketing right. in its own separate, like silo. It's like part of the experience silo. Because yep. every independent, every young rising band is going to make you click like on Facebook to unlock yeah. another thing I'll get down with that, that they idea. want you to do. What's up? I'll get down with that idea. There I mean, is, there no, is, it, but that's what it is, though. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, there is, is a lot of space for someone who's not parquet chords to to differentiate themselves by <laughs> dusting, not playing that dusting, game. Dusting. Right. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But 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 some, someone can just say no. We're not doing any of that. Here's the finished. Like you only get the finished product. We're not even going to tour on this, right? You get the album. You like it or you don't, and and we don't do any of that other stuff. That so, like yeah. There's there's a lot of room for someone to 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 take that position, um, and do it successfully. But but, but so right this, now, so, so this isn't the future. This is, it's um, never the future, man. The future, that's the thing about the future. It future, never arrives. The future is now, man. You're right. The future right. is now. Right. Or something. Thank you, Jennifer, for hanging out. Of course. Uh, and prognosticating on the future of music. and uh, Things. Not the coalition. Very different thing. Ooh. Uh, and Hi, Kevin. We're, we're, we're going to take a quick... Erickson. We're, we're, <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, I'm going to play something groovy, and I guarantee you're going to like it. See you in a few minutes. Thanks again to Marcus and Water for hanging out. Always a pleasure. Um, we try to uh, 
you know what was great about the break is that we actually hung out and didn't talk. I mean, we talked, but we didn't we didn't talk, and we didn't have to do any work after. We didn't have to think about anything. We just ran our mouths. The conversations were honestly just about the same, but uh, but it was it was a good time, and uh, and so uh, and and it's helped us sort of restructure what we do here to make this because if we're not having a good time, damn sure you're not having a good time listening to us, and uh, and then what's the point? There is there's no point. Um. Before we get out of here this week, I want to play a little track for you and some, some friends of ours who, if you remember last year, we, we reviewed their album, Hotel Parties, and a lot of these reviews, uh, you know, we, we say what we think and, and we feel our, our views are mutable, but uh, this is sort of an in-the-moment conversation. And then about three weeks later, uh, they showed up in the basement to talk about it and talk about, like, what they thought we were wrong about, what, and it was great. And they put on an amazing show at the Black Cat and... Uh, and then uh, continue to tour the world uh, as they are wont to do. Well, they have a new album out called Portico 2. Uh, it's the second in a series of EPs. And, uh, you know, this is a sort of a smaller project, but the last track on this is a track called Voices Carry, and that is, in fact, the same Voices Carry performed and written by Amy Mann back in um, uh, till Tuesday, back in the 80s. I grew up on it. You may have grown up on it, but you damn well know it. And uh, and this is a great take on it. So so uh, we want to show them some love and play this for you. And so you can go out and get Portico too. But if you're not convinced by my little pitch, here's Voices Carry. And uh, by the end of this, you're going to be clicking on Bye over on Bandcamp. There you go, Future Birds, Voices Carry. Something he's thinking of to drive 
That's Voices Carry from Future Birds, the Till Tuesday cover, uh, amazing song, and uh, both versions, any version. It's a great thing about great songs is that anybody can do them, and they end up still sounding great. So uh, good job, guys. Can't wait to see what you're doing next. Hopefully you're working on a new album, and uh, that'll be out soon. And then maybe you know, when you come back through D.C. here, uh, we'll talk again and see what's up. Check in. Uh, that is our podcast for this week. If you liked what you heard, uh, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. You can leave us a message or a rating there. A five-star rating is good. A one-star rating, that's fine. You're just, you're just letting us know how you feel. And I think that's actually called Apple Podcasts now. But you get to it through iTunes. Um, you can also listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Spotify, coming soon. Uh, always, you can listen to us on the site at www.chunkyglasses.com. And while you're there, please check out the hard-working uh, results that Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro do. They're out there every night shooting live shows in D.C. area and beyond. Matt just went to Hopscotch and a couple festivals over in England. I think we're setting Mauricio up to do a couple festivals here soon. Uh, they're busting their ass and uh, and and shows, and their work is phenomenal. Um, and speaking of that, we just started a new campaign. Uh, we are on Patreon now. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's basically uh, sort of like a tip jar. It just says, you know, we're doing this creative thing. It doesn't have to be creative, but what we are is. And if you like to support it, you know, high fives and hugs are great, and we'll take those any day. But $5 in the tip jar is a little bit better because then this entire volunteer squad that I've assembled over the years uh, can maybe get, you know, have a little extra beer money, have a little extra gas money. In the case of Matt and Marisa, that, that is, is valuable and super important. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and every little bit helps. So, you know, if you, if you go to patreon.com backslash chunky glasses, uh, you'll you'll see all the info there. I'm going to be updating some stuff soon, and we're going to have little you know updates of what's going on. Might actually try to live stream some of these episodes, and uh, and do stuff like if you give five bucks, you get mentioned in the credits. Like our friend Justin Beland, who was our first uh, patron here, five bucks a month. Uh, he used to be on the podcast. Now in life, he, he's a busy guy. He's doing important work, but uh, and has a new baby. He's amazing, Just adorable. But but anyway, he he's giving us five bucks a month. And, uh, and that goes directly to everybody here. It's split equally, and uh, and you can do that too. Five bucks, one buck. $10,000 buys you the podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah. So so hit us up, patreon.com, Chunky Glasses. Uh, also, if, you, if you're listening to this and you live in the D.C. area and you're thinking to yourself, this sounds like something I'd like to do, email me at kevin at chunkyglasses.com. We are always open to adding uh, new on-air personalities to talk uh, because, you know, this is this is sort of our life. We just hang out, talk about music, and, and we aren't the only ones, so we know you're out there. Uh, and that's it. That's podcast. Coming up next week, uh, I think we got some pretty cool stuff. Moses Sumney has a new album coming out. We're going to be talking about that uh, with our friend Marcus Moore from Bandcamp. He's going to... he's He's been hiding out in New York, but he's going to be back soon uh, for a few days so we're going to talk to him and then uh and then after that i think we're gonna do maybe a roundup of the month we'll see groovy stuff coming up and then we get into october which we got big plans for october man rocktober is coming and it's gonna be awesome uh so thank you for tuning in we'll be back in a few short days until then be good to your ears but be better to your people we'll talk to you soon
<laughs> 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 Kenobi.